Welcome to More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where a Springfield, Missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog, one album at a time. I am Matt. I play guitar. I'm Josh on bass. I'm Logan on guitar. I'm Blake, and I play the drums. And we are More of That. Welcome back to Discographology, where the city has us drowning in drum machines this week <laughs> in preparation for um, for next week's Hootenanny. We're talking, uh, excuse me, we're taking a look at some tracks from bands that, uh, that'll drop in a drum machine where one maybe isn't expected, um, but, but maybe it's within their reach. Uh, but before we do that, um, as always, uh, we will go around the horn and uh, and uh, talk about our most recent uh, acquisitions and what we've been listening to. Uh, jo- Josh, I know you're talking about Vinyl Me Please, but uh, what have you picked up? Uh, I've picked up a few things. Before I get to that, Matt, I have to compliment your intro there. I don't know if you intended, but you kind of did like, uh, was it McLaughlin Group on PBS or something like where it was almost like we were already talking, you were taking a sip <laughs> of something like, oh yeah, so welcome back. You should have been smoking a cigarette. It's a, we've just I, I been can think of no higher praise situation. Than, than being compared to <laughs> issue one. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I've, I've picked up uh, quite a few things. Uh, the, the vinyl purchases I'm going to highlight here real quickly. Uh, I got uh, finally pulled the trigger and picked up a good copy of The Queen is Dead by The Smiths. I, that's record. one that's been on my radar forever, and it's never gone down in price. Like I've always just sort of been like, eh, one day it'll drop, one day it'll drop. Surely it's popular enough that it'll be more affordable, but it just never ever came down even repressings of it so i just finally pulled the trigger and bought like a repressing that was more than i would have liked to spend but it's it's a solid album it's it's easily the best smith's album and uh i'm happy to have that one in the collection and then another one that i also have been eyeing for a long time and never got around to getting and then i just happened to come across it at i went to our local mall which no one goes to malls anymore but i went to our (laughs) local mall and if you guys don't know this, did you know that our mall once again has an FYE store? I do. Holy shit. I did not I, know that. And what they, do they sell? Funko Pops? They sell vinyl, and it's a really decent selection of new vinyl, <laughs> surprisingly. Oh, my God. I got to go look. Yeah. That's where I got my oh, little nice. uh, ghost action figure. Ah. Oh, nice. Oh, like, they they have stuff in their vinyl selection that you're like, it's not anything that's like crazy, crazy rare, but it's stuff like this album I'm about to mention where I would not find it anywhere else, even at our local stores. I picked up uh, the Mountain Goats, uh, The Sunset Tree, their uh, early 2000s album that has This Year and Up the Wolves and some of those great songs. And I've been looking for that one for a long time. And uh, it's not like it's been like out of print, but like even after I got it at Fye, I went on Discogs and it was going for like eighty dollars. So <laughs> I don't know what's going on there, but uh, Fye, if you've got one in your town, check it out. Um, Is it where the old one used to be? Just out of curiosity, where it's it's where Walden Books used to be. Hot Topic. Yes, it's where huh. Walden Books used oh. to be. Oh, yeah. a smaller space. Um, yes. 
then uh, finally got in a or an album I pre-ordered a long time ago, and it's just been delayed and delayed, which is the latest Sturgill Simpson album that came out last year called The Ballad of Dude and Juanita, which uh, <laughs> he put it out, and then the vinyl release was supposed to come out, I think, in like December, and kept getting pushed back, and finally that came in. Uh, I played that one a little bit. It's it's very much his attempt at doing a Willie Nelson red redheaded stranger kind of concept album uh, with with folk country music. And then uh, finally, I uh, found a copy of Southern Accents, the Tom Petty album, uh, and and picked up that. So that's what I've been listening to uh, lately. Uh, what about you, Matt? Well, um, I, I know I already uh, mentioned this to you guys, but uh, I picked up, I actually used Logan's uh, gift certificate to stick it in your ear from Christmas. So thank you, Logan, for your hand in uh, mm. in a couple of aspects of this. Uh, I picked up sure. 1967 Rolling Stones, Their Satanic Majesty's Request. Um, and and I, I'm fairly certain you, you did, uh, this was the one that you cleaned, Logan, because it was, it was set up uh, in the way that you do when you um when you clean for them and uh it's it's been really interesting um i i really hadn't heard uh this before i thought that there was one of the well-known songs on it and and there was not um but I, i've really been digging on uh 2000 light years from home um off of that um it's the the penultimate track on that record and um in in doing some uh research uh for our our uh, drum machine bands. I, I came across a band that uh, I'd never heard of, and and was really really surprised by that uh, they were early adopters of uh, drum machines and, and electronic instrumentation generally. And that's uh, the band, the United States of America. Not, of course, not to be confused with the presidents of the United <laughs> States of America, but uh, their their eponymous record uh, from 1968. The the main songwriter I guess was in the the Fluxus movement uh, or Fluxus scene in New York in kind of the mid '60s and uh, moved out to to L.A. and um, uh, there there's a he has a, a female singer collaborator and you know it's really weird instrumentation and lots of like almost uh, you know orchestral uh, um, elements with with synths and. Um, just you know, re- really taken back um, at, at the record that I I really hadn't heard before. So I, I've been uh, been listening to that. It will be one that I uh, probably will be digging for next time we go to the record show. Um, that uh, that titular United States of America record. Um, but uh, Blake, uh, what what have you been listening to? I know one thing Blake's been listening to lately. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about the thing I was forced to listen to for content. Sure. No. Well, <laughs> l- let me. What? Yeah. Go ahead. There's a there's a new song by one of your favorite bands. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm I probably don't even know what it is, but yeah, you, you can tell me later. Um, yeah, okay. Let's see. My wife uh, had me listen to a Tori Amos album from 1998 that I had never heard um, for uh, to create uh, content, a live react, so to speak. Um, and that is uh, her album from the Choir Girl Hotel. Um, good. I'd need to hear more to formulate more opinions. Um, I found out it's really hard to uh, give live reacts at all because <laughs> i just kind of want to sit there and listen and not say anything 
Um, oh, last time I talked about the uh, the new blood incantation. I think they call it an EP, but it's long. <laughs> I think it's long enough to be an LP. Anyway, it's called Time Wave Zero. their ambient record. Um, if you were hoping for metal, you're out of luck. But I did listen, um, and I thought it sounded really cool. Uh, lots of really cool, you know, Moog uh, and other analog synthesizer sounds. Really cool arpeggiation. Um, really trippy, moody, uh, ambient stuff. Check out Time Time Wave Zero for sure. Still wish I had bought that that vinyl. I, I should see if it's still available. Um, I also while you, um, while you're there, just to two you know two birds with one stone. Uh, that was on my list as well. Mm-hmm. I also listened to it, and uh, I also yeah. should have pulled trigger. But everything that you said accurate, very it, moody. Uh, but I I, <laughs> I enjoyed it quite a bit. I I listened to it on my commute to work so that was perfect setting so yeah cool yeah i liked i enjoyed listening to it while driving i figured you would have uh, you would uh say something along the same lines i'm glad you agree um in that kind of in that same vein i listened to some tangerine dream for the first time because i watched the movie risky business (laughs) and weirdly for some reason this thing that's supposed to be a teen sex comedy has um a a tangerine dream score so (laughs) it's in my opinion it's a score that's much better than the movie um really you know um ambient synth stuff um and i listened to the lp they put out that is like on one side of it it's originals um and on the other side it's tracks they did for tangerine dream I have to look up what that one was called because I already forgot. I'm sorry. Instrumentals for Risky Business are on one side and then just other stuff is on the other side. It's a strange release, but it's called Hyperborea 83. Ooh, 83. Uh, it's good. Now, I guess I'm going to have to. <laughs> what? Oh, I said 1983. That's the year I was born. So I'm always. my ears Logan was conceived to Tangerine Dream. Okay. Well. <laughs> There's another 1983 record that may come into place. Right. Um, all that to say, I may have to get into Tangerine Dream now. Um, and our friend Tom is probably like yelling at the speaker, being like, <laughs> "That's what I've been saying this whole time." Um, oh, the only vinyl purchase uh, of note lately, since I'm still kind of in a vinyl drought because uh, trying to save money. Um, I talked about a while back how I, I got my wife um, New Order Substance, um, the the best gift ever, I called it. And uh, I wish I could <laughs> take credit for this purchase that is uh, just as cool, if not cooler. I wish I could say that it was an awesome gift I, I, idea uh, I had, but she bought herself um, kind of a, a grail, uh, the Blue Monday 12-inch single. Oh, nice. Um, it, That's uh, cool. <laughs> For a uh, the the price was was dear, uh, <laughs> uh, like substance, but uh, I think worth it to get that um, uh, the the sleeve that is designed like a uh, floppy diskette uh, yeah. sleeve. Yeah, um, that the the legend was Factory Records lost money um, producing. <laughs> 
this uh, die, it's a die cut sleeve, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, that legend may be apocryphal. Not totally sure on that. Anyway, it's really it sounded fucking awesome, <laughs> like through the speakers. Uh, just you can just crank the hell out of that uh, out of that kick drum, um, and sounds uh, every bit as good as it did in uh, what, nah. It was eighty one or eighty two. Now I forget. Oh well. Uh, Blue Monday 12-inch, highly recommended. But, yeah, that's all I got for now. I have a copy of that, and I also agree that it sounds oh, awesome. Oh, do you? Yeah. Awesome. I have a actually yeah. a ton of New Order singles, actually, oh, um, that I got from my uncle. And there's <laughs> there's a ton of them. I'm surprised that they put out some, so many. They're definitely stuff, a single I mean. singles kind of band in a way. Uh, yeah, I mean, hence hence the album Substance, just collecting all <laughs> all the singles and stuff. Well, uh, before I I kind of go on my uh, what I've been listening to and purchases and everything, I feel like I should do a shout out. Hopefully, I think this is coming out right at the right time. But uh, on uh, March twenty seventh, the uh, Route sixty six record show is happening at Relics Antiques and uh, Deeper Grooves Record Lab is going to be there cleaning records. And um, I'm really excited about that. Um, I think that's nine to three. So uh, I think that thought you guys should know. Um, looking forward to I that. I would like to try to go for for once. I would like to try to do that. Yeah. I figured Last it was time... coming up soon. I hadn't heard any anything, but. Yep. It's Sunday, March 27th. So it's, it's coming up. Yeah. Um, but anyway, new streams 2022. Uh, the big thing that I've been listening to that's been pretty exciting is Tool put out Opiate 2 or Opiate Squared. I don't know. Uh, but it's basically huh. a reimagining and re-recording of an old song from their first EP that they put out. But with modern Tool sensibilities. It's pretty amazing. Uh, I, I think it sounds great. Maynard sounds really good, but apparently it was recorded back in like, I don't know, 2015 or 2016. So, uh, yeah, that's really cool yeah. if you're a Tool fan. Also, Rammstein put out a new track called Zeit. I thought that was pretty good. I'm still trying to make my way through the Oliver Tree Cowboy Tears album. Uh, it's <laughs> it's all right. I kind of, I don't know. I, I, I'm finding good things and and things that are i'm kind of like meh on but uh it's pretty good uh ghost put out another new track called 20s that i thought was pretty pretty cool it was was different it was a little weird uh uh, you you heard that right blake i did yeah it it, it is a little a little weird but sounds like ghost (laughs) and that's a good thing yeah i mean yeah it it is ghost (laughs) Uh, Sharon Van Etten put out a new song called Used to, uh, Used to Sit. Wait, is that right? Oh, nice. I, I feel like you have to ask my wife. I, I really liked her first EP and then I've never gotten into anything else she's done. <laughs> like Je- Jess is crazy about SVE. I thought that first EP was so good. And then just everything else since I'm just never... I don't know. It just never grabbed me, but uh, maybe I should. Was check she this in, new track out in the super group with Phoebe Bridgers or no? No, no that's not her. Okay. Used to it. Sorry, used, used to it. To... Used to it. Yep, it's a new song. Okay. I really enjoyed it. I haven't heard a whole lot, but I know that she also she's got a uh, some Twin Peaks Roadhouse cred. 
mm. right? I think she was in re- the return. Some bona fides. I think she performed. Oh, okay. Was she? So uh, That's cool. along with the nine inch nails, uh, <laughs> the nine inch <laughs> nails. Uh, also, yeah, we already talked time wave zero, but also coincidentally, I was listening to Tangerine Dream's new album, Rom. Uh, that was Ooh. pretty cool. Also on nice. on my commute, so it was very appropriate, you know, two and forth and so forth. Uh, I listened to the new Heim track, Lost Track. That's what uh, I thought Blake was going to talk about. That's what I, th- I thought you I were going to say Blake was listening to. I listened to it, too. Yeah, that's what I thought. I listened. It was okay, I thought. I don't know. It yeah. was okay. It was kind it was of fine. I need repetitive. More listens. And oh, I liked it. Meh. Meh. For me. Yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I, I, li- I dug it. I like the video a lot, too. The Paul Thomas Anderson video he did. It's kind of a cool little video i need to see right. that freaking movie licorice pizza i i haven't seen it it has i didn't know that it has the entire heim family basically playing themselves huh. including the parents huh wow i didn't know that either yeah speaking of movies i saw the batman and i've been listening to the oh. soundtrack so that's cool i won't spoil anything i don't know if you guys have seen it or anything have not, uh, have not. Echo and the Bunnymen put out a new song, Nothing Lasts Forever. That was pretty good. L1011, you guys ever listen to them? Uh-uh. L1011. It's just kind of like an instrumental. Yeah, uh, they put out a new, new album called New Year's Eve. And I've been listening to Tears for Fears' new album, Tipping Point. Uh, so that's all like what I've been streaming. Uh, the only new vinyl that I've purchased is an album from... Majeure, which is uh, Adam Patera from Zombie. It's his kind of cosmish, uh, ambient side project. He's a drummer. Uh, it's his album from 2015, but it's it's the first time they've released it on vinyl. So I got, I got that. That was really cool. Uh, shout out to Tom. I'll have to hook you up or hook you guys up with a, a, a download of it or something. They sent a couple of them, I th- which I thought was nice. So... And then the only vinyl collection, like from, you know, vinyl plays from my own collection, I listened to Echo and the Bunnymen Crocodiles that my friend Joe gave me. It's an album from 1980. Really like that. And I listened to U2 October, another one that he gave me from 1981. Mm. So that's what I've been listening to. Very cool. Well, uh, I, I did see that, that Haim had a new single. I've not had a chance to, to listen to it yet either, but uh, definitely is is on my list uh, to, to get to, but um, I, I think we can probably uh, drum up a little excitement about our special topic for this week. Um, next week, of course, we're covering uh, Hootenanny by The Replacements, and there's famously a uh, a, a song with um, with a drum machine that's very predominant and, and very kind of out of place for what, um, what we, we usually expect to hear from the replacements, at least at that point in their career. Uh, so we thought that we would uh, think about drum machines and and um, you know talk about some of our our favorite songs with with drum machines and and maybe unexpected uh, drum machines where uh, where they show up where we don't necessarily uh, expect. So uh, Josh, um, what what are your favorite uh, secrets or, or surprise drum machine tracks? But before I get to that, Matt, here's my drop for this. Okay. Oh, we have a drop. A is for apple. B is for balloons. C is for crayons. D is for drum. 
<laughs> Very nice. Logan's going to be sad that I faded it out there. <laughs> Aha. Well, now. And Logan, Logan's the only person that does it. Also, I have a joke. How many drummers does it take to screw in a light bulb? None. They have a machine for that. Wait, what? Because <laughs> a drum machine. Oh, we're, uh, we're replaceable. I get it. I get it. Yeah, roasted. Never. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there's another great one like that, which is uh, roasting bass players, which is how many bass players does it take a screw and light bulb? None. The guitarist usually does it for them. So. <laughs> there you go. Oh, uh, okay, what so was that clip from? Is Bloodhound Gang. Yep. Inevitable okay. Return of the Great White okay. Dope. I just cut it off before we got into Jimmy Pop's vulgarity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like a penis, here I am in a, a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. There you uh, go. Okay. So uh, the, I, I, went, I got a good list going, and then I, I went down to three songs here. Uh, Could have done a top five, but I ultimately was like, you know what? These three kind of stand for what I, I think uh, I was thinking of when I came to Unexpected Drum Machine songs. So... The first one I'm going to talk about is the the bands that get, use a drum machine that normally don't, uh, and it's sort of like the only one in their career that they use a drum machine on. And and this is a band that we're all very close to, uh, the indie band Someone Still Loves You, Boris Yeltsin. Uh, usually a uh, indie rock outfit from our hometown here, uh, or where we're recording at least, Springfield, Missouri. And for the most part, their songs follow that sort of uh, indie rock 2000s vibe. Hopefully they don't hate me for saying that. Um, but They're listening. <laughs> yes. But in uh, 2011, they dropped a demos and, I don't know, rarities compilation, I guess you could call it, called Tape Club. Oh, yeah. And on that, it, there was a song called Yellow Missing Signs. I have that Signs. on vinyl. I have that on Indeed, CD. Really? I believe the photograph on the cover was taken at the on the roof of Matt and I's old band, uh, their drum our drummer's house <laughs> mm. at the time. But anyway, Daniels. They uh, they there's a song on that called "Yellow Missing Signs" that Phil, uh, the singer, had recorded in his bedroom in 2009, and it heavily features drum machine which was not something that they usually did also uh, a very springfield centric song as it's about the three missing women case and all of the yellow missing signs you used to see around town so here's a little snippet of that Wouldn't it be funny if the one cease and desist we get is from people we know? <laughs> we got a copyright flag. <laughs> Phil sends Wait, us can a I, cease and desist. I just got one of those recently and is is really weird. I'm sorry to interrupt. You got a cease and desist? Oh shit. Are we supposed to know about no, this? No, not, not a cease and desist. It was just a flat a copyright flag on YouTube. We've put a hundred nine inch nail songs on there, right? Um the thing the first thing to ever get flagged is a tossed off 
Um, we played a trailer for an obscure movie that had a Hans Zimmer score in the background in shitty quality in the trailer. That's what got flagged. Don't, Hans Zimmer. Don't fuck oh, with no. Zimmer. <laughs> don't, don't do not. Zimmer will he'll, come for you. He'll he'll turn uh, that air horn on you. <laughs> anyway, that that song was you know just sort of a, a, a interesting little offshoot for a band that normally doesn't sound like that. And then Phil went on and did uh, Dragon in Three, which was uh, much more electronic. They're awesome. I'm I'm surprised that he didn't release that under like MC Migraine Head or something. I don't know. Right? Yeah, it doesn't right. it sound like, like their normal yeah. stuff, but uh, it's a good song. Secondly, I was going to talk about uh, another indie group from the 2000s that. This is just a song where it kind of does the thing where the song's going along and then all of a sudden it becomes a a club jam. Uh, It's the song Shark Attack by Group Love um, from their 2013 album Spreading Rumors. You know, before this, they mostly play kind of rock songs with guitar and live drums. And then suddenly this song came along and it uh, is very heavily drum machined. So here we go. Shark Attack by Group Love. Here's a clip. So yeah, Group Love, Shark Attack from 2013, and then kind of in that same vein, and this is the one that uh, I think you guys will find the most interesting for me playing this band on here, but the group Panic at the Disco. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. Panic at the Disco, of course, became very poppy. Well, they always were poppy, but became very like more mainstream pop right. with lots of electronic instrumentation. But, you know, when they started out, I don't know if you guys know this, but they started as a Blink-182 cover band. Okay. What? <laughs> um, so I did not know that. Very much, I, yeah, I, you know, guitars, bass, drums kind of act. And uh, they're eventually caught the ear, of course, of Pete Wentz of Fall Out Boy their debut album comes out in 2005. Now, I will tell you right now, I don't know jack about Panic at the Disco for the most part. I'm not like a huge Panic at the Disco fan. But that first album, I have heard enough and know fairly well enough. And then, of course, it had some big hits on it, too. Um, and, and there was this one song. This was the first song that came to mind when Matt said Unexpected Drum Machine because that album, for the most part, is kind of... Um, standard 2000s emo pop rock and this song which i'm gonna groan here at the song title the only (laughs) difference between martyrdom and suicide is press coverage Uh, it's a title from a chuck palniuk book and uh this song is going along doing its thing and then out of nowhere drum machine comes in and it really turns into a dance track and it's just the first thing i thought of when i thought unexpected drum machine so panic at the disco 2005 the only difference between martyrdom and suicide is press coverage You guys ready to go to the club? 
<laughs> Love's coming. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> New order. <laughs> yeah. It was just the first thing that came to mind when Matt said unexpected drum machine. <laughs> I was like, is that song? So that's my uh, picks for for unexpected drum machine. That's that slaps. Um <laughs> Matt's a big panic guy now. <laughs> well, um I did did some research on this. I, I had a I had a couple that came to mind early and and uh picked out a, a couple more, one of which um I, I talked about earlier was that that discovery of uh the United States of America and um their 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 drum machine wasn't necessarily as as recognizable you know there there was a lot of a lot of psychedelic stuff going on so the drum machine wasn't really uh predominant there but um i i did just want to uh want to kind of mention uh the first according to wikipedia at least uh major pop release to use a drum machine uh was from 1969 robin gibbs saved by the bell and i i saw this and i went to listen to the song and the disconnect of what I was expecting versus what the song was 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 was, was quite something. Uh, so let, let's let's just drop that in here. Oh, huh. Wow. You know and. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think oh, we were just making moans. I was just saying, oh. wow. <laughs> we were just making moans. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> oh. Well, and, and you know, knowing that it's a drum machine going into it, you can listen for it, and it's like, yeah, that that does indeed sound like a drum machine, but I'm, I'm wondering if they just wanted to, you know, or wanted to save money on a, on a union musician uh, for that, because it, you know, doesn't really... Um, uh, showcase uh, the, the the technological uh, um, assistance of of a drum machine just to play that that waltz beat. Well, in sixty eight, is it like the rhythm box of an organ? That type of thing. I believe so. Yes, it it was still um, either either you know an enhanced rhythm box of an organ or the you know a very early commercially available uh, pattern dr- yeah. drum machine. I was going to say, yeah, it but, sounds like it's almost being mic'd or something. Like, it's not, like, <laughs> coming direct maybe. from whatever's making the sound. <laughs> I don't uh, know. It just sounded Yeah, it certainly could, could be just something mic'd up in the studio. I, I had, um, this one just kind of came to me a, as I was sitting down ready to record. And uh, th- this artist, and he was with a band in this period, and, you know, used some drum machines. But, uh, but I think this one is such a distinctive one that it, it's worth you know kind of singling out, and that's uh, when doves cry. Um, you know, Prince of Ooh. course uh, is a drummer. Uh, Bobby Z of the Revolution, you know, also very skilled drummer. But but they brought out the drum machine um, on that track to to great effect. Um, all drum machine, no bass, <laughs> and uh, and crazy uh, keyboard <laughs> solos. Uh, no clip for that. Everybody's heard when doves cry, but you know, go out and go out and listen to it again because uh, the drum machine sounds it- so sweet. It's a Lindrum, by the way. Okay. That's one of the first, right? Or uh, not not the first, but it, but it was it kind of... It was the first one to use real drum samples, I think, at like 8-bit. Well, and it, it's such a distinctive sound, too. You know, as soon as you hear it, yes. it, it just takes you back. 
uh, to to that place. And um, I don't know if it's a Lindrum, but but around this time, and this was the first one that I thought of, uh, and that's uh, 1985. Josh, you just bought this record, Southern Accents. Tom Petty, Don't Come Around Here No More. Um, it was produced by uh, Dave Stewart um, of the Eurythmics, uh, so that kind of tracks that that uh, they would bring some some electronic drum elements into that. Um, it was uh, originally both for and about Stevie Nicks. Uh, Stewart uh, had heard uh, Stevie, d- you know, kind of telling Joe Walsh to to get out of here um, fr- from a party. They they had recently broken up, and and she told him, "Don't come around here no more." And uh, but Stevie didn't think that she could do justice to the vocals and the lyrics. Uh, so, and, and I just love this song, Josh. I know you and I have, have covered this, uh, uh, in, in a different, um, format for Kobayashi Maru. Uh, but, um, I, I just can't get enough of this track. It's got the great Alice in Wonderland, uh, video. I, I have to point out, by the way, how weird it is on that album too, because the album is called Southern Accents. There's a song about being from the South. The, the cover is this very pastoral image of a guy in a field. And then you have this song on there, <laughs> which is like furthest thing I think of from like rootsy Southern kind of rock. So <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Don't come around here no more Don't come around here no more Whatever you're looking for Hey! Don't come around here no more Just love that song, and... and it, it does one of my one of my favorite things that that songs with drum machines do is they'll they'll bring in real drums to kind of beef up the um uh you know beef it up to um to to really kind of emphasize a different part and it just occurs to me that that uh that 1979 does does this as well they they start with with the kind of drum machine electronic beat and then bring on uh real drums yeah. and acoustic drums to uh um to kind of fill out the sound, but um, but my final uh, selection, uh, 2002, uh, the band is Wilco. The album is Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. The song is Heavy Metal Drummer. Mm. I just think it's a it's a really um, it's a neat thing to do to have a song about a drummer, but also have a drum machine. Uh, Glenn Kochi, of course, uh, of of Wilco, um, very very skilled drummer, very um, eclectic drummer. You know, always making weird weird drum sounds and and uh, different you know uh, acoustic drum instruments that aren't you know just your typical. Um, sticks and cymbals and, and, and skins, but, uh, also, uh, skilled with, uh, with, with rhythms and, and drum machines as well. Um, th- this, uh, song and the, the presence of drum machines on this song, uh, was, uh, was kind of a highlight of the documentary. I am trying to break your heart. Um, Jeff Tweedy and, and Jay Bennett, who was in Wilco at the time, but was not in Wilco soon after, you know, we're having a big argument about, uh, whether or not, um, and, and to what extent drum machines, uh, should be on, on the track. And, um, but, uh, 
that was of course a you know a big record for for me um, at, at the time, and and enjoy the, this song on it. So uh, those are my uh, unexpected <laughs> drum machines, or, or perhaps uh, um, somewhat expected drum machines, depending on <laughs> uh, on who we're talking about. But uh, uh, Blake, what, what what about you? You're you're the drummer. You're you're the expert. What's uh, <laughs> yeah? What, what, are, what are your expert. drum machine picks? Well, I, as a drummer, I'm offended by drum machines, and I, <laughs> no, I uh, robots taking our I, jobs. I love electronic stuff, um, and th- this should have been like the one that was easiest for me, um, because you know I love drum machines. But as I was thinking about it, I my my memory is just like like every almost everything i listen to is is some manner of drum machine samples fake drums of some sort um not literally but these days it seems like it is and and especially modern music just like synthesized drums or drums that are somehow fake are just uh uh ubiquitous but i went back and found some interesting ones um my let's see i got a little top 5 here the the number 5 is kind of a fake out though I said the the Strokes song from their first album, Hard to Explain, mm. um, until I found out that that was not a drum machine. Uh, <laughs> That's just how tight did anyone, that drummer is, you know? Yeah. Did did anyone else think it was a drum machine? I, I'm going to play the clip here, and then tell me if you thought this was a drum machine. Oops, hang on. Could you hear that? You got to yeah. keep them separated. <laughs> yeah it, okay it is like that it does start out like the offspring song uh come out and play okay especially the hi-hat there's oh, nothing so human about the way that sounds i thought it was a drum machine I, too <laughs> i looked it up and apparently it was a three mic setup on the actual drum kit uh, one on kick, one on snare, and one on hi hat, and they were just like gated to death. So each time you hit the hi hat or the kick or snare for that matter, the gate is going to close it down real quick, and it ends up not sounding human. Uh, pretty cool effect, I think. It was overall. Slight, I dig slightly off sounding, right? Like it didn't yes. sound. Perfect. Yeah, it's almost it's like too human to be a drum machine, too weird and and choppy to be human. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very fine line. It's hard to figure out. Yep. Yep. It's the Turing but test for drums. You know? It's you know what it is? It's the triple M. And I harp on it and I Logan introduced it to us. The man machine mystique, and it's gonna come up again and again. Um it comes up on number four, which Matt has already introduced. Um and that's 1979. Uh, and I know it's weird for, I'm not the one on this podcast who's supposed to be talking about Smashing Pumpkins, <laughs> but um, it always stuck with me that uh, this was never a band that I thought of as a drum machine using band. Now, later, they did very much become that. Um, but 1979 starts kind of out of nowhere. And it took me a while to to realize this is what it was. But it's uh, like... Like Matt said, it actually starts with this weird glitchy little percussion that I've heard came from an ARP 2600 synthesizer. Um, very faint. And then the drum machine kicks in, which I've read is an uh, Alesis HR-16, a very popular drum machine, uh, a, a popular uh, affordable drum machine in the 90s. 
um, they made it sound really cool. And then halfway through the verse, um, uh, of course, uh, Chamberlain kicks in, uh, uh, kind of, you know, as Matt said, beefing up the drums. Always thought that was cool. Uh, I really like how the the beat is locked into place on that song. And we, we have uh, Flood and Alan Mulder to thank partially on that. You all know how it goes. My number three actually comes from the uh, the album I was forced to listen to by my wife, by Tori Amos. I never thought of Tori Amos as a uh, drum machine using artist. Uh, but then on her, uh, let's see, what was it? It was like her fourth album from the Choir Girl Hotel. The song Raspberry Swirl um, starts up and kind of out of nowhere is kind of like a club beat. <laughs> with a almost kind of awkward out of nowhere drum machine. I'm just going to play the intro here. Sounds like a Cure song. The uh that's wild breathing and let's go makes me a bit uncomfortable but yeah it's almost to the point of being corny but it's a, a very like <laughs> throbbing club beat it was really out of nowhere for me especially if you've heard stuff like uh, uh cornflake girl uh which which we were recently talking about how awesome that song is it's not like that number two i i said uh well, it wouldn't be this podcast if I didn't talk about this album again, but I said all of the album Kid A, especially Idiotech. <laughs> now, stick with me here. I know that Drum Machine and Radiohead is not shocking to anyone, but imagine if you had, if it was the year 2000, you had only heard the first three Radiohead records. Oh, you're me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, this was me. Oh, okay. So yeah. were were you like blown back when <laughs> when Kid A came out? When you're like, what the hell was this? Yeah, <laughs> like for sure. <laughs> it, I, I mean, and I think most of the music world was. Yeah, it was totally um, weird. But I mean, I obviously I fell in love with it. Um, but f- for sure, I was like, what? Because yeah. I love OK Computer right, so like, much. Yeah, and, and it's you know, OK Computer is is for the most part live drums rock band stuff um kid a we're hearing uh all synthesizers and weird sounds galore but there's still a lot of uh real drum kit um un- until idiotech comes in um with the wildest synthesized drums you ever heard i'll play a bit of it I think what's really memorable about that is that a lot of times, uh, like like in the case of the replacements, a band that has uh, never touched electronic stuff before or is new to that, 
they'll they'll pick up a drum machine and they'll kind of use it dry, uh, like they don't know what they're doing. And Radiohead uh, busts this thing out that sounds like their Aphex Twin. <laughs> they're like, yeah, we know how to manipulate this thing into uh, sounding absolutely buck wild. Um, I still don't know all the you know the source of of those sounds um, or you know what machine or, or samples or machines uh, it comes from, but I, I'd like to dig into it. Um, number one, a little group called the Dismemberment Plan. Now, nothing that the D Plan does should really be unexpected because they do stuff that's so weird um, and. Un- unusual and uh, even on this album uh, emergency and i that up until the point of this song there there are a lot of synthesizers keyboards and stuff but uh as far as i know it's like all a live drummer a really good drummer uh and then this track called you are invited comes in with another very strange sounding drum machine uh th- this is what it sounds like from the beginning and then i mixed in a clip um when a weird sound comes in 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 verse two. I got it in the mail one morning. There was no return address. Just my name in gold. That sound. What is that clicking? And then the the little cowbell <laughs> gets me every time. Definitely a, a, a cheesy, jarring, almost to the point of being off-putting, but still really cool. Definitely unexpected. Really intrigued me in, into. Uh, Man, I was super into that album. It's a great um, album. That's a great choice, Blake. I I completely blanked on that one, but that is that's a great example of that uh, unexpected drum machine thing because that rest yeah, of that album just, does not have that. Yeah, uh, awesome album. That that drum sound comes out of nowhere, but uh, somehow it works. So yeah, that's what I got. Good picks. All right, uh, Logan. Uh, y- you may have had 1979, but I'm I'm sure you've got uh, a lot of other. Uh, Good, unexpected uh, drum machine tracks. What, what do you have for us? Well, uh, so this one was kind of hard for me to pick because I'm trying to think of, of times where, you know, kind of like Josh said, that you've got a band that normally doesn't have a drum machine or it kind of comes out of left wing. So I'm trying to think back through that. And um, one of the first things that came to my mind was when I bought a blind buy by the way that i think i've, I've talked about was uh refuse the shape of punk to come uh from 1998 and it was what i was expecting was kind of like this you know punk rock kind of hardcore kind of thing which it was but it was also jazzy and it was also had electronic elements to it and it was just so unlike anything i'd heard before but here here's a clip of the song bruitist poem Number five. But this just kind of shows up in the middle of the album. There had been other electronic little tidbits here and there, but then all of a sudden, 
there's this track and you're just like whoa this is weird but yeah i'm digging it so i always remember that one the next one in in kind of the same vein i was thinking back to our our boys uh omar and cedric and uh thinking about the mars volta and the tremulant ep and their song eunuch provocateur Like I love how that just kind of comes out of nowhere and yeah, that was awesome. Blends just seamlessly, um, but yeah, I remember the first time listening to that and just not really knowing what to expect. And it was all over the place. But when when I heard that, I was like, oh wow, there's all kinds of things that are on the table. Um, in the same kind of vein, uh, a band that I was very into, and I remember when Deftones put out White Pony in 2000, hearing their track Teenager. I was totally kind of caught off guard. I'm, and this is one of those things where I, th- I wasn't sure if it was a, a drum sample or if, if Abe Cunningham was really playing, but I'm pretty sure it's a drum machine, but uh, you, can, uh, you can check for yourself. thought that was kind of different at the time for what kind of band they were known for which was a much heavier aggressive kind of sound but then the other one i was kind of thinking about this was kind of out of the blue but it came out in oh what was it 1997 yeah i remember i think i saw a clip for american werewolf in paris which was like the sequel to the one in you know london and I think there was a Bush song, which, you know, we had uh, 16 Stone and then uh, what, what's their second album? It, uh, Razor, Razor Blade, Blade Suitcase? Suitcase. Razor Blade Suitcase. Yeah, that's my favorite one. And then all of a sudden. I think that's an Albini. It is. Yeah, it is. Uh, Bush drops a remix of Mouth and oh, man. Silver Grim. You have some shame. Some shame. But I remember after hearing this on the radio, and I was like, oh man, I have to have this. And I immediately went out and bought it. And I still have the CD, but uh, it's that's probably the best remix on there. <laughs> like it almost sounds like a, a garbage song, like like yeah, the band garbage. Yeah. I wonder if Ooh, like I wonder Butch, Butch Vig, Vig had something to do one. with it. You know? 
yeah it was it was just great i just have so many memories of hearing that and thinking like wow this is like bush but it's like dark and electronic i was down for it i was like yeah this is slapping i didn't say that in 97 i was like yeah this is awesome uh so i started thinking about the cure because they're a band that have always had drummers you know live drummers uh but they're also a band that i know that they use uh, drum machines here and there sprinkled in so i was trying to figure out when kind of was the first appearance of a drum machine from the cure now i'm sure that there's purists out there like diehards that will be able to find some demo or song that you know unreleased recording or unofficial or whatever but i'm trying to think single wise i think charlotte sometimes was which i'm pretty sure is a drum machine i it was hard to look up i was trying to look up information around this time i think they were using it blake correct me if i'm wrong i'm probably wrong it's like an open openheimer dmx uh that they had rented out yeah, the uh and uh yeah, the DMX, a classic. DMX. DMX. That, that's what Blue Monday <laughs> the first is, thing the DMX. I yeah. So, oh, interestingly enough, a, a couple singles later, they uh, for uh, The Walk, they were using that. And they got called out, I guess, at the time. Critics were saying, like, that's just like Blue Monday. And they're like, well, it's just a coincidence <laughs> then, because I guess they had recorded it or something before, but hadn't released it yet. Hmm. It was one of those weird kind of deals, but here's Charlotte sometimes. Oh, Oberheim. Sorry. I Ober- just, it, Oberheim. Just one of my favorite Cure singles uh from that time period so now we're getting down to uh my number one pick so i i love that you guys picked 1979 and i initially kind of had thought about that and i want to expand expound on that a little bit um so yeah at the time i think that was a a kind of out of the left wing for pumpkins to have uh, this you know drum machine song uh, what a lot of people don't know is that that's how they actually started as a band with a drum machine. It was just the three of them. It was Darcy, James, and and Billy. And it was later that they got Jimmy Chamberlain. So they had kind of come, you know, full circle. But what was really jarring as overall as a fan, though, was how the next kind of couple of releases segued into a whole album that was kind of driven by drum machines and that was uh, the, the album adore but um it started with the single i from the lost highway soundtrack and the end is the beginning is the end i think had some like elect- electronic drums and that was kind of out of left field but then they put out a, a door and you would have thought that they got a another drummer and i think they did they had a what's his name um is it matt cameron yeah, yeah, that's what it is. I was trying to remember his name too. And yeah, session guy for right? live, they had oh, oh, what's his name, Kenny Arnoff, uh, playing drums for him live. But in the studio, they were kind of using a, l- a little bit of both for texture. But I put together just a little montage of of Pumpkins Drum Machine that I think this this came out in what ninety eight ninety eight yeah and 
if this hadn't come out, like I loved it when it came out, even though I loved rock pumpkins, but I, this probably set up me appreciating kid a or being able to take kid a <laughs> in a way, oh, okay. if that makes sense. <laughs> so, uh, here's, here's the, here's the thing. I just love that that yeah but uh, it's almost yeah, like marching bass drums nice hey logan do you do you feel like billy corgan using the drum machine on those songs like did that kind of inspire you because i know you've done some stuff where you've written some songs that are like kind of drum machine well and, and yeah and shortly like after that. i think in in so this came out in 98 and 2000 that's where i when i bought my drum machine and i think that's kind of led me to think like oh if they can put out an album that's with a drum machine i surely i can use a drum machine and write songs so that's definitely what led to me getting one. I still have it today. Hell yeah. Use it. <laughs> oh, wow. I no longer have my uh, uh, boss. My first drum machine was a boss. Uh, Dr. Rhythm. Not not Dr. Logarithm, but the original Dr. Rhythm. Ah, mine is a Zoom Rhythm Track 234. I just play around with software. <laughs> Fruity These loops. days I do more software than anything. Nice. Well, Matt, what are we talking about next week? Well, next week, we're going to have a Hootenanny with the replacements Hootenanny. Um, it's their <laughs> their uh, their second uh, studio record uh, on Twin Tone. Um, a, very much a departure um, from what we've heard of them up to now. So uh, we look forward to uh, everybody uh, joining us uh, for that. Um, in you know, and, and until then, uh, we thank you for for listening and uh, checking out our, our unexpected uh, drum machine songs. Um, uh, hit us up on the uh, the Ox Audio Discord. Uh, what are, what are your uh, favorite drum machine songs? You know, expected or not. Um, and um, until then, don't forget to listen to music. Audio.